Hi, everyone, and welcome to the WIM podcast. Women in Influencer Marketing, or WIM for short, is a first-of-its-kind exclusive networking group made up of inspirational women. This podcast is where we explore influencer marketing, advertising trends, and get real about women in business. Our mission is to network, to foster leaders within this exciting industry, and to share information to make our work stronger. That's where this podcast comes in. We'll bring you fresh perspectives on timely topics facing the industry from expert voices in the space. Find us wherever you download podcasts. And of course, you can always find us at IamWim.com. That's IamWim.com. Hi, everyone. I've tried to record this intro about 12 times, but it is so extra noisy in New York City in the summertime. So I'm just going to go with it. If you hear motorcycles and God knows what else outside my window, I don't know. Welcome to Brooklyn, (laughs) the soundscapes of the city. Anyways, I'm really happy to be here, though. I got to say it's been we have a lot going on, just a lot that's coming up for you guys that we're in the process of scheduling and preparing for. But if I just pause on my like low key anxiety of just making things perfect, it's really exciting. (laughs) It's really exciting. And we're bringing some incredible programming to you and just like community events and all the stuff, which I'm going to go over in just a second. But I always want to acknowledge anybody who's tuning in for the first time listening to this podcast. This has been such a labor of love, like so much so that it really doesn't feel like much labor, (laughs) to be honest. It's probably been like close to three years that we've been doing this show, which is wild to think about all through the pandemic and everything. It's a very short period of time that I just was like, oh, I don't really feel like recording these shows anymore. But It's actually like a really nice outlet, to be honest. If anybody has thought of podcasting before and wasn't sure if they should do it, I really encourage you to try it. It just really helps you find your voice. It's a really special medium. But anyways, that aside, if you're new here, huge welcome. I'm so grateful that you found our little place on in the podcast ecosystem. I know you hear that siren. I know you hear that siren in the background. (laughs) I'm just going to keep recording, guys. There's no way that I can record this and not have a siren in the background. So it's a Sunday in Brooklyn. So if you're new here, welcome. If you've been here before, you're the best for coming back. I hope this show continues to fill you. With that being said, we have some events that are coming up that I wanted to take a few minutes and just intro. This is your moment now that if you, for whatever reason, want to just jump to our website and check out the events and you're just here for the core of the episode, which is this awesome interview that we're doing today, you can skip to about the nine minute mark. That is uh, the moment in our episode where we get to the interview. But if you are willing to stick around, I'm just going to recap the cool stuff that we've got coming up just so it's on your radar. If you are listening on the day that this podcast airs, Tomorrow, we have an incredible masterclass. And this one, if you chat with Pam, we've been planning it for months. The title of this masterclass is From Agency Life to Self-Employed. I know that there are people listening who are sitting at their desks and you're like, dang, I wonder if I could 
start my own, my own boutique agency or like aspirations of having your name on the wall someday? What does it look like to go from a very structured agency life to being self-employed? And so Pam Zapata is our special, special guest. She's also one of our official mentors and she is teaching this masterclass, which is this Wednesday. But I absolutely wanted to mention this one because it's going to be incredible. Also want to note any of our live masterclasses, they're always available for replay. Not everybody knows that. So we actually have like a library of videos and all of our members, they're completely free, whether you catch them live or if you're like, oh, I just want to like see what Wim produced for the last bunch of months. Oh, this looks like all of them look interesting. We put a lot of time into each one. These master classes in particular, they're different. They're, it's not a clubhouse conversation. It's not a podcast conversation. Like these are true classes. So just as a reminder, if you log in on the website with your membership login, you can have free access to this entire library of content. It's really cool to just watch on your downtime. Or just say to your employer, like, hey, there's a one about whitelisting. This is super relevant to what I do. Like, I'm going to take an hour and watch this masterclass. I'm sure they'd be happy to have you learn. So just want to remind people of that. The next event, we have definitely been promoting this a bit on our Instagram, certainly our Instagram stories. It's our D-E-N-I professional matchmaking event. I am so stoked for this one. Okay, here's what it's about. So essentially, we have so many people in our group that are hiring and we have some women in our group, certainly, that are looking for, actively looking for a new role. Some of them, you know, passively looking for a new role. The whole point of this event is to bring all of you together. The other point of this event and why it's not just your average job fair is it's specifically focused on D. E and I, which means that all of the people who are coming up on stage and promoting their open jobs have also committed to a long list of DEI and anti-bias in their hiring practices. So this is being brought to you by our diversity council and we've heard this for, you know, a long time now. That being that, you know, we want influencer marketing to be inclusive, but that it can't really truly be done unless it comes from the top, unless the people that are hiring the influencers are also diverse women or, you know, men and women, but this is a women's group, of course. So each and every one of these companies are committed to focusing on this during their hiring practices. So they'll come up on stage on the clubhouse stage and they'll share with you a little bit about their roles, about their culture, about like who they're looking for. You'll have a personal contact in real life. We kind of humanize a job board for each and every one of these companies and their open roles. And then at the end of the event, after we get through the list of the women who are hiring, a few lucky people will get to shoot their shot. (laughs) Those who are looking to be hired will come up on stage, will call you from the audience, you'll come up and you'll be like, hey, my name's so-and-so, I'm I'm looking for this type of role, this is what I'm most enthusiastic about, this is what sets me apart, this is why I'm great at my role and the work that I do. And I'm doing a terrible elevator pitch right now, (laughs) but it's a great opportunity for you to do way better than I'm doing. 
and and pitch yourself. And so ideally, you'll have lots of people, you know, hitting you up on LinkedIn to consider you for a job. So if you want to get involved on either side, whether you're hiring or looking to be hired, just go to the website. It's all listed there. And that one's on July 14th. And last, but certainly not least, this is the first time we've announced this. It hasn't been announced anywhere yet, so you guys are getting the first preview. We are doing our next Influencer Tech Day. So we had an Influencer Tech Demo two-day event in December that we had such a good turnout for it. I was thrilled with how it went. We even did like an encore presentation of it. So obviously we had to do one again. We are doing this one on August 26th. We have a few sponsors already locked in that I am so excited to tell you guys about. But the distinction of this one, I want to make it a little bit different. So we are totally getting some influencer tech tried and true tools for sure. We also I want to like pepper in just like a few good business tools doesn't have to be specifically for influencer but we know that they can be used in our world so it's going to be a really really nice mix it's one of the number one questions that we hear all the time in our Facebook group on Clubhouse in our Slack channels like what tech are you using you know, how much does it cost? What are they doing? Because mine is great. Mine sucks. We just need more help, whatever. I've heard everything (laughs) under the sun. So this event is meant to help support with that. If you are at a company that wants to sponsor, please, please, please get in touch with me within the next few days because we're finalizing our sponsor list. And if you want to attend, we just launched this event on the website as soon as this episode airs. So you will probably be the first few people to RSVP, which is awesome. And again, this event is on August 26th. It will be a full day event. So sign up on the website for all of these events. Thank you guys so much. I know this is such a lengthy the intro but I'm just so enthusiastic about these events guys they're gonna be so so good all right let's dive into this week's episode enjoy everyone so Denise Hewitt is the founder of Scripted. So Scripted is a digital screenplay marketplace working to scale inclusion in Hollywood. She comes from the world of entertainment, fashion, nightlife. She started her career as the director of sales and marketing at the famed nightclub, The Box. Y'all, she worked for The Box. If anyone <laughs> lives in New York and knows The Box, it's wild. I think it's the coolest thing that she worked with them. She also worked for cultural trailblazers, guys like Patricia Field, which is from Sex of the City, Ugly Betty, Marvin Jarrett from Nylon, Courtney Love, Tyra Banks, like so many people. So she's a seasoned television and digital producer. She worked with MTV and Demol, and now she's a podcast host of Do the Work with Denise Love Hewitt. She lives at the intersection of activism, entrepreneurship, and entertainment. Denise currently serves on the associate board for D5 Ventures. At night, she's a professional DJ, having spun for Oprah, Vanity Fair, Gucci, Timbaland, and many more. She holds a bachelor's degree from Gallatin at NYU, where she studied cultural signifiers and how they affect and reflect society. 
I first discovered Denise because I was pointed to a YouTube video of a keynote address that she did about VC funding for women. It moved me so much. It was incredibly inspiring. I'm going to link it, of course, in the show notes below, but I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Denise, first and foremost, welcome to the podcast. How's it going today? Thank you for having me. I'm really excited to be here. It's a heat wave in Los Angeles, so I'm happy summer's here. Feeling great. Yeah, summer's here. We can like get outside, get vaccinated, and then go enjoy the fresh air. Gosh, we've been inside for so long. It must feel so good to get outside. (laughs) Exactly. Like to enjoy summer responsibly. Yes, exactly. Responsibly. It's very important. Look, from an East Coaster to a West Coaster, I'm so happy to chit chat with you today and connect. We first connected. A member of WIM put us in touch. And when I was looking for women who had a bit to say and knowledge about VCs and funding, and she's like, oh, I have the inc- this incredible woman for you. Not only is she someone you need to connect with, but there's this talk that she did and the speech and she sent me the video and I connected with you because after I watched that video, I was like jaw on the floor, but I don't say that. Oh, hi, Poochie. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. We need to pause this right now. What's your dog's name? This is Tokyo. Tokyo. What kind of dog? He's a mud rescue, a Chihuahua Terrier Dachshund mix. I love that. Oh my gosh. I'm so glad that you rescued. That's the best, the best, the best. (laughs) Well, Tokyo is welcome on anytime. So please bring them on up whenever. But I watched this video of yours and we'll link to it below in the show notes because everybody needs to watch it. But I was so moved after this conversation that you did because it was your personal story And it was your struggles. It was so real and inspirational. But before we get into any of that, (laughs) I just want to hear in your own words, just a little bit about you and like your professional journey. Yeah, I love that. I definitely don't fit the mold. I've had a very non-traditional career that sort of has at times made me feel like I'm just really not understood by my resume. And over time, realizing that like I'm not necessarily meant to follow the paths that have been created. I'm sort of building my own and getting to a place where I'm really comfortable with that. So I started my career in fashion, actually. So I worked in like fashion magazines and wardrobe and film and TV and really got my dream jobs in all these places, realizing every step of the way, like it wasn't my dream once I once I got it. And so I actually shifted in my first job, my first real, real job. I produced events in nightlife. And it was a job where I had a lot of opportunity at a really young age at a very well-known nightclub in New York. And I was really just able to really use my brain. And it was a very sink or swim environment in a lot of ways, a very entrepreneurial environment where like I was in charge of my sales and my schedule and all these things. And I really just had to hit metrics, but I could sort of run my own ship. And it really was the right environment for me to thrive. And then I left event production to move into TV production, got into the sort of corporate engine and really just realized that what I wanted to do was change how these systems ran. And really in those engines, you're not encouraged to do that when you sort of challenge the existing culture status quo, you're othered. And so for me, I was, I didn't come into this to be in part of group think it's not how I think. And so 
really left that to build scripted because I felt that there were some very clear inefficiencies in Hollywood that needed to change. Like we were moving from like a one size fits all distribution system to a like diverse distribution system where you have way more choice and it's way more niche, but we haven't built any infrastructure around it to allow Hollywood to compete and be a less risky business. And so Scripted was really built to give Hollywood these tools to sort of navigate this massive shift. And through the process of building that, very clearly realized that um, the market wasn't ready and Hollywood the illusion of progress. And for me, I then of course went into a fundraise where I realized like, I think Hollywood is the illusion of progress. Venture capital is even more so that, and really did a data dive on what these institutions are doing and why they're doing it, which led me to start talking about it. And talking has really been sort of, I guess, very liberating for me. And that's sort of what I'm moving into now is a space of just speaking, whether it's my podcast or at conferences um, or moving into more hosting stuff, it's really just feels like more in alignment with my sort of value system and integrity. And you're so good at it. Seriously, though, I don't say that flippantly. We're going to link to your podcast. We're going to link to all these things because everyone needs to check them out. You're going to hear from Denise over the next 30 minutes or so, and you're going to hear for yourself. I think your journey is so interesting. I love a good, you know, I also come from the world of entertainment. I used to represent actors and commercials and the illusion of progress, man. You are so spot on when you say that. And there are a lot of industries, I'm sure that can relate to that sentiment, but entertainment, absolutely. It's so cool where you've come from and it's so cool where you are. And I think that before we even dive into some questions that I have for you and things I want to chit chat about, I just want to get to know you a little bit more personally as well, because I think you're awesome. So are you ready for a few rapid fire get to know you questions? Yes, I'm ready. Amazing. Okay. Besides social media, what's your favorite app on your phone? Whoa, whoa. Okay, definitely I love the pattern. I think the pattern is the coolest app. Wait, what is the pattern? I don't know anything about this. Tell me. Okay, the pattern is like (laughs) an astrology app, but it's higher level. It basically runs you through like your personality traits, the cycles you're running through based on your chart. But then you can run bonds, friendship and romantic bonds with people to see how compatible you are and like what your challenges and frustrations are like where you light each other up. Uh, And they just launched in beta like a dating app, which you can run bonds before you connect with people to see how compatible you are, which is much more interesting to me than the dating apps that exist where you're very like very superficial. It's not really based or grounded in anything beyond pictures but it's like been it's like a really great tool to have to be like why is something coming up right now or like and it will just like spell it out for you and it's awesome so good (laughs) so good i'm gonna be downloading that literally after this conversation thank you very much (laughs) what is the best part of your job currently uh i think the autonomy like i really am loving being in a place where i'm can control my schedule in my life and not have to, don't have to answer anybody but myself. And for me, that feels really good to be in a space where I'm in control of my destiny. And, you know, I still work with people, but I have the agency and ability to say no to things that don't make sense for me, no to things that infringe upon parts of my life that I really love. Like I love walking my dog. Like these are things that are important to me and being able to work and create a work life structure that allows me to still be really present for the people I care about, my dog, all those things. Like I definitely hold both personal and professional life in equal weight. I love that. What are a couple of your pet peeves? 
Oh my God, this is going to make me sound horrible, but this is what comes to mind. I hate flip-flops. <laughs> like wearing them, but I assume on other people as well. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. I like sandals, but flip-flops to me, I'm like, they're uncomfortable. They get your feet dirty. Like people in New York city wearing flip-flops when I lived there was like a pet peeve. I'm like, your feet are so dirty. That doesn't make me sound great, but I'm a Virgo at the end of the day. So like, it's, you know, bad grammar bothers me really just like really not important things that are pet peeves. No, bad grammar is important. <laughs> No, it's so important. Look, like I'm there with you on that one. I do love flip flops, though. I know, I know. It, it makes me like I really it's not like the, there's things about me. Oh, the other thing my friend says, she's always like, "You love mayonnaise." I love mayonnaise, and it's like the grossest thing about me. Like we all have our things, and so I'm like, I don't. If you wear flip flops, I'll keep it to myself. I want whatever it is, what it is, but I don't like that. That's one of my pet peeves. No, that's the question. You answered it honestly. And some people hate mayonnaise. I've heard this. I love mayonnaise. I don't know. It's such a thing. Those are such good answers. <laughs> when you were a kid growing up, what did you want to be when you grew up? Oh, it cycled, but originally a prima ballerina because I was a very serious dancer. And then it moved into being an actor was what I really thought I wanted to do. And I spent most of my, my parents wouldn't let me go to college for acting. So I went to Gallatin at NYU, which allowed me to take classes at Tisch. So I tried to like subvert them that way. And really what was funny is that when I got college and I had to like memorize monologues, I was like. There aren't many faces people are excited to see first thing in the morning before they've even had their coffee. But the McDonald's drive through workers who take your order on the way to work have almost all of those faces. Because nothing brings more joy in the morning than a 99 cents any size iced coffee. Pair it with a glazed full apart donut for a truly great morning. Prices and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Only available until 11 a.m. I don't want to do this. I was like, I don't remember his lines. I just want to play myself. And it's taking me like 12 years now to get back to like a place where now I play myself. I speak my things. I mean, I'm still memorizing lines, but like they're my lines. They're not like, you know, so I think it's interesting how life works, but I'm not too far from my original intended ambition. It is. And I think that's something that a lot of people have experienced, whether they're like formally trained actors or, you know, they're just brought up in a certain way that like, this is how we do business. But essentially we, we put on airs. We need to fit this mold of what fill in the blank type of professional person looks like and feels like. Isn't it refreshing that it's not really quite that anymore? It's, it's really like, who are you? What do you have to say? What do you disagree with? <laughs> and being putting that out out there, that's interesting because that can start a whole additional conversation. And so I'd love to sort of lean into that and chat about that a little bit more. Yes. All right, guys. So as a special treat and a big thank you for being an avid listener to this podcast, I'm offering you 10% off of a VIP level membership to Wims Collective. That's right, guys. I rarely offer promos on our membership, but I'm offering it to our podcast listeners because you are so special to me. You show up on a weekly basis and share these podcast episodes, and I am so grateful for you. So this membership, guys, it's offering you casting resources, networking, jobs, recruitment, mentorship, the list goes on and on. But if you don't believe me or you want to hear from somebody else, check 
check out all the testimonials that are on our website. All you have to do is go to IamWim.com and use promo code PODCAST2021. That's going to get you 10% off of a VIP level WIM Collective membership. I am so grateful for you guys. Join today. It's going to be the best professional decision you've ever made. All right, guys, so go do that, but definitely keep listening to this episode because it's awesome. So one thing that I find so exciting about the work that you've done is you've sort of said this isn't working and needs to be fixed. This is broken and this is a problem that needs to be solved. So in terms of what you're doing with Scripted, what are the main problems that you guys are looking to and excited to solve? You know, I love people that build companies because you have to have a certain level of delusion to do this. It's not like you really see a future that you want to will into existence. And so I was 26 when I started my company. So like smart, but naive enough that like I thought that institutional race and sexism was like just a logical problem we could solve together. If I give you the tools, we can do it together. And the reality is like what we built was, you know, a script database. So like one of the things that I knew was coming was I saw the intersection of trends, one being that I knew packaging in Hollywood was going to become unsustainable. So like when the Writers Guild sued the agencies, I was like, yeah, like I've seen that coming. That's part of why we built scripted. It was a place to empower writers to not only like be in charge of their own careers, but also support their team. So if you have an agent, it just helps your agent sell more projects. It's not in competition with what agencies do. And, you know, we built out what is like, you know, the only non-pay-to-play script database in Hollywood. So every other database that exists is costs you money to participate in, which then of course creates barriers to entry around socioeconomic and privilege and all these things that, you know, unfortunately based on how America was built, predominantly affect certain parts of the population. And so that was really the goal was to really just prove out that there was all these amazing writers that weren't in system because up until really still right about right now, 87% of writers represented in Hollywood are white men. So if you're all these 90% of television is coming from these power centers, then 90% of television is coming from white men. And so that was something that I was like, okay, we need to change the pipeline. And so eliminate the myth that these writers don't exist because they do, but you just don't know where to find them. So let me help you find them, right? Eliminate that. And so 90% of the content we've sold has been written by women and people of color, which for me is really awesome because we're an inclusive platform. We don't choose what gets option. It just shows you different pool, different results. And so that was awesome because you're like, great, we've, we've built this thing. We can connect these dots. Great. But it wasn't like, we weren't tipping the scales in terms of representation. We're still not. And that, that for me is really the goal. It's like, how do you scale this? And so that's what led me to go to an accelerator in 2018 and build out a new platform. The goal being, if we could reinvent the screenplay to compete with best-selling books and best-selling articles, then like screenplays become new generative IP. And right now there's a stopgap in Hollywood because one of the issues is that you buy existing IP because that's a presumed built-in audience base. But let's break that down for a second. Like best-selling books sell between 10 to 50,000 copies on any given week. It is the anomaly best-selling book that sells millions of copies. And so we're optioning these books as IP. We're putting them into development. We're writing screenplays that take maybe like seven months to 12 months to write based on that IP. You go through rounds and rounds of development, which is a lot of money and a lot of time. And I was like, well, what if we could just get the public to engage with this content. We get real-time audiences. We get data around the audience bases. And then all of a sudden, you mitigate the risk and fear around investment. You mitigate the risk and fear around inclusion. And all these other amazing things happen. And you actually know who's purchasing it, how to market it, how to you know create customized distribution plans around each film and TV show. And each film and TV show is a different business, but Hollywood still treats them as one size fits all. So I was like, if we get that granular information, we can start to create really productive change in Hollywood. Well, that's great. That's great. That's great. 
is Hollywood ready for that? No, it's a very tech fear-based, like fear of tech in Hollywood is very real. And so there's a fear around in our capitalist market is very short-term thinking versus what does it look like to future-proof your business? And I don't think people are thinking about future-proofing. And so a lot of what we wanted to do was that's what I was trying to do. But I'm meeting resistance in Hollywood because Hollywood is tech-averse. And then I'm meeting resistance in venture capital because venture capital entertainment's not, that's risky. It's not a good business. Instead of looking at the opportunity of what if we build infrastructure for a business that's a multi-billion trillion dollar industry, and help them start recouping more money. So it becomes less risky. So therefore you can sort of like actually have more predictable outcomes, right? And so that's really what we intended to do. And then I went on a fundraise and largely failed, right? And that led me to a whole other avenue of who we allow to succeed and what types of female leaders we allow to succeed. And, you know, that was really like heartbreaking, to be honest. Like it was like, really brutal in a way that like I sort of knew the numbers, but I'm the type of person that like anything I set out to do in my life, I've been able to do. And I was like, oh no, I'm not the exception to the rule. There's a very real glass ceiling for all women. And the people that pass through that fit a certain pattern and it's by design. And so I think that's what we have to really like work to dismantle. And the goal of speaking about it was really to make women feel seen and heard and really inspire our economic sort of leaders, the people with the capital to really start to inspire them to make a change because it takes all of us and no, we're not free until we are all free. And so that trickles down to every sort of marginalized human. And so that's really like my intention is how do we give people the inspiration and then the tangible, here's the steps to change. Like I'm interested in tangible outcome. I'm done with the conversation. We've been talking about it for years in venture capital. Every year we come out with a new number of like it going down and percentage of women invested in. And it's like, this isn't working this conversation. So what are, how can we hold people accountable? And I think that's really where I'm at in my work is like, I'm ready to create actual tactical change. And, you know, that's hugely important, all of what you said, because you need the data. Some people need the data. Some people need the inspiration. Some people need the kick in the ass. And so you sort of need all that to like get all the players come to the table and do what they need to do. What was the reaction that you experienced after that talk that I referenced earlier? I mean, overwhelmingly positive. So my next keynote I'll be doing this year, it'll come out later this year, and it talks on a bit bit of this. But what was interesting about that process is when I decided to do it, a lot of my friends who are female founders were like, don't do it. And I was like, why? And they're like, you're going to be a depreciated ass in the market. You saying you couldn't raise from 300 investors and there'll be no one's going to want to invest in you. And I was like, also, don't care. Don't care. Because if we are not talking about it, then we are saying the system is okay. And if I have to like fail to open doors for other people, then that's fine. Like that's really not about me. And I think that that's number one of what the system does. It's a great example. It pushes you to be silent for risk of your own safety and your business is going to like, you know, the lens of scarcity that like, if I need to protect myself and survive, and if if I do this, I'm going to lose everything. And that's why people don't say anything. And then the next step was that every female venture capitalist I talked to was like, don't do it. And I was like, why? And they were like, because you're going to sound like you're complaining. Every founder goes through this male, female, whatever. And I was like, once again, don't care because the questions I'm being asked are different than my male peers. The, my, the conversations I'm having around like, you know, what my business is and why I'm doing it. And the amount of investors that told me just start a different business and we'll fund you. And it was like, why? 
oh, because you want me to start a beauty brand. You want me to start a clothing company because that's where we allow women to win. And if, because I'm fighting towards not only infrastructure and entertainment, but inclusion, therefore, like I'll be a great leader. If you believe I'm going to be a great leader, then believe in the business that I believe in. And I think that's really where based on sort of the trajectory to actually doing that talk, I was sort of like a little bit, it was vulnerable. I mean, it was very vulnerable in a lot of ways. It was me coming to speak about something when we hadn't raised. And I thought I'd give this talk after we raised. And you're saying, I'm like, in the middle of it. And I'm like, it may not happen. And I'm going to do it anyways. And that was scary. But then of course, after I did it, right, this is where you realize this is where courage, which is, you know, moving forward with your heart in the absence of fear, you know, while you're scared, I got standing ovations. Everyone after that was like, oh my God, this is incredible. And it opened a lot of other doors. And I think it also made a lot of women realize that you don't lose anything because this is one chapter in my life and scripted is doing what it's meant to do. Are we scaling at the rate that I would like it to? No, but I'm not so bought into the culture of output that we've created. And I think that everyone can do things differently. And I don't regret how we're building or how we're moving. And I don't regret doing the talk. The talk has been the most supportive thing, cathartic thing that I've been able to do. Well, everything happens for a reason, in my opinion. And I just feel like sometimes we learn that soon after we do the thing or way after we do the thing. But I can imagine how cathartic it could have been and commend you with the amount of courage that it took you. And I'm telling you, I found that talk because someone told me to watch it. And now I want to spread the word to other people too. And like what really hit me about that keynote in particular is just I knew how much courage it must have taken. I put myself in your shoes and I was like, damn, it's a keen. It's very clear that there are a lot of people in that audience and it was just so well done and vulnerable. And like pushed, made, it was a talk that like, we talk about this a lot in WIM. I love opinionated women. <laughs> I do. I love women who could just speak their mind. And, you know, if it's something that you feel passionately about and like that's your opinion, you have to put it out there. Like you just, you have to. It's doing other people a disservice because if it's your opinion, there are chances are that there are so many people that share that same opinion, but they've stayed silent for one reason or another. And so you're giving yourself, but also all of those people a voice. And that's the only way to enact real change too. And so I appreciate what you're saying about your business. Sure, we could be scaling at the amount that we're doing it, but we're getting there. Like we're on the path. Who's to dictate the rate at which you need to scale your business and grow your business? It's the rate that it was meant to be grown at. And like, who's to say, because you grew at X rate, that isn't a very purposeful thing that will be impactful later on as well. What are certain things that you have learned about, you know, being a business owner and the CEO of your own company that you would impart on any other women listening to this conversation that they can take with them to avoid, you know, certain hardships or things to keep in mind? What would you suggest for them? Um, number one, my favorite thing is that you are the expert at what you do. And when you're an entrepreneur, there's so much feedback on like how you should be building your business or like what your business should be or blah, blah, blah. And it's like, at the end of the day, like, you know what you're building. I had multiple investors just say like, put inclusion on the back burner, just build the database and da, 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 da. And I was like, 
what are you talking? This whole business is centered on creating space for people. And if you actually understand how inclusion works, right? I was in my accelerator. This woman came to speak to us and she's a DNI expert. And she came in and she was basically saying that you cannot back end into inclusion. It doesn't work that way. It has to be built in the DNA of a company or it doesn't happen. And so as we have, you know, the rate of these like sort of protests and conversations we're having, we've never successfully had a company at like a series B plus level be an inclusive company. And so we're looking at this and we're like, now we have to create all this change. And like, I hope someone can figure it out. But the reality is if you don't build it in from day one, it doesn't happen. That's not good advice, actually, if you understand the problem. And so like these investors would come to me and I was like, no, that's not what I'm doing. Or they would offer me money, right? And I could tell they were deeply in misalignment with my vision, or they were thinking that they could mold me into a different type of person than I am. And everyone, as you go through raising money, will talk about sort of the compromises you have to make to taking capital. And the one thing I'm proud of is that I didn't do it. Like I, there was money that we refused. There was money that it wasn't interesting to me because for me, I knew what I was building and I knew the path to getting there was like, okay, this might be a short-term solution, but when we get to bigger rounds, I'm going to be fighting with this person and that's going to take up energy and time that I don't want to take up with that because I have a business to run. I have a team to lead. And so much script has been built by our team, like the people that have fiercely believed in this vision from day one, that through all the ups and downs have stuck by me and stuck with the vision. And like, I think that to me is priceless. Like there's all these things about the scripted journey that aren't what I sought out or like intended to happen, but have just been the most priceless experience. Like it's just been such a massive personal growth journey. And I think that people need to stick to their integrity. And I just see a lot of friends who took in money that causes them a lot of daily stress. And I think our peace and our joy are the most valuable things that we can have. And what is the point of success if we don't have peace and joy? Oh my gosh, snaps to that. Yes, 100%, man. Like I've heard these stories as well. I'm sure people watching this have heard these stories too. I know somebody who got a $6 million investment and it was the worst experience. It was just completely misaligned, but she felt obligated to take it. She's like, well, I mean, someone offers you six million dollars because they believe in you like I felt I should accept it or I, I would be ungrateful like all these stories that we tell ourselves if we say no that's one thing that I learned pretty early on it was somebody who I looked up to where she got all these job offers and she actually said no to them and I was like wait what I grew up never thinking you get a job offer, of course you take it. And I just wasn't exposed to that until I met this woman. And she was like, no, I was interviewing them too. And like, it's very much a shared value prop, right? Between the two of us and always remember that. And it wasn't the right fit and like, that's okay. And so I said, no, and she's moved on and is a perfectly better role for her. It was just the first time I had ever been exposed to that. I didn't even know that was possible. We don't know. We don't know. But that's exactly right. Is that when I was talking to investors, I was like, it's a two way interview where this is a marriage, like same way your co-founder. It's like we're in a relationship. And I think people, a lot of investors lose sight of the plot because they think they have power because they're writing you a check and you need the money. And I had an investor say that to me. He was like, well, you need the money. And I was like, how do you make your money on the backs of founders? So if I don't work my ass off for you, you don't make money. So no, this is a symbiotic relationship. You write me the check so I can do my job so you can make money. And I think that, and he was like, oh yeah, 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 you're right, right? But like these are the types of conversations that I'm having with investors where it's, I shouldn't, like, I'm not pandering to you. I'm building something really valuable that either you're on the team or you're not the team, but this is a two-way interview and I'm not just going to be like kowtowing to you because you have the ability to write me a check. 
like, and I think that's really what happens is you have all these people that feel so desperate, that scarcity lens of their business. I have to, I have to build this thing that we suppress our own intuition or our own value or all these things or self-worth. And that's the thing we have agency. We are not like life is not happening to us. We are like co-conspirators in our own life. And like your friend's exactly right, which is like, Certain jobs, you have the agency to choose which job you want or how you want to leverage opportunities. I think a lot of women often get stuck in these cycles around being grateful or people pleasy or like, you know, this money's enough versus like, no, this is like, I deserve more money because my value is higher. It's a hard process to get there. And I think we've all been there. So like that's 100% right, but we can never forget we each have a unique gift to offer the world. And if anyone tells you otherwise, they're not the right fit. That's what I'm just so grateful. And that's the goal of whim of this podcast of these conversations. And the reason I wanted you specifically to have it is because like, I think that women need to share their stories more. And just to know that there is absolutely never just one path. There's so many different paths. And it's like a journey to inside of yourself. It's a journey to learn more of like what makes you happy, what makes you feel successful and what's right for your company, you know, whatever it is that you're creating, whether it's, you know, a large company with other people or something that you're creating for yourself. So I so appreciate that sentiment. And then I would love to hear similar to that. What do you think made your path with scripted in particular, more unique than any other partnership you've been involved with previously? I think it was the category we're building in is particularly challenging. And I think that's a big piece of it. I also think, you know, I tend, I'm a futurist. Like I can see the future pretty clearly. Like I'm really good at that and I'm getting better with my timing, but we were a little too future. Like I would say like this past year was like sort of like the right timing and we were like a little early, which is good. It's good to understand what's coming and how to build, you know, like businesses that are relevant beyond the moment. And so I think that's what I'm working on is my timing and sort of being like future, but not too future, like just the right sort of like right at the right apex. So I think that's what's hard about it. But I also think, you know, for me, I'm a very like spiritual person and I sort of believe that the universe sends you things for you to like sort of contend with and understand what that means. And for me, scripted really has been a personal growth journey in a way that like has really challenged me, really shown me sort of like it's made me in a lot of ways. And so it made me seek out tools. It made me seek out like a lot of inner work to sort of like be able to withstand what was happening. And that for me is like what's made it super unique is I'm a different person than when I started the company. Maybe a better person is maybe a more empathetic person. And the people that I've met through it, I mean, it's like been magical. Like I feel like podcasts came out of me being like, I've, how have I met all these amazing people and I'm hoarding all this wisdom? Like I have to dispel it to the world. Like people need to hear these people. There were so many gifts in like the seas of trouble. Like I'm like, it's like such a dark night of soul journey, but it, there was so much magic woven in that I think I knew it was exactly what was meant for me at the time. Yeah, I love that. That's beautiful. And I love a good hack. <laughs> Mm-hmm. I, I just love like some people listening to the show, they love like a good, you know, I want to jump a couple seats and it'll propel me a little bit more forward. I want to learn from this person who went before me. What would you tell your younger self that would have given you a professional or a personal advantage today? I'm still learning and it's a new lesson for me, but I think it would have been really helpful to 20 year old Denise. I have spent a lot of my career in sort of like make it happen force mode, which is actually very masculine and patriarchal. 
and I'm in a place of flow and I'm not really like my speaking career, my DJ career, they're all like things that I have sort of been in the, in the motion of, and I'm leaning into flow. What does it look like to take a step back and lead differently? What does it look like to not have to always push, 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 but let things come to me? And like, you know, you still can go after things. But I think not being so tied to like destination or outcome. I think that's really new for me, but it feels a lot better. And every time I got to the destination in the past, I realized I didn't want it or it didn't happen. And I was heartbroken because I had an expectation on myself that, you know, wasn't necessary because that was just me being like, I need this thing when it's like, I don't actually know what I need. Everything that I thought I needed, I haven't needed. So like, who am I to say like what I know about my life? I don't. Everything that's happened has shown me I've learned from it. So I think that's my thing. It's like, I think ambitious women put a lot of pressure on themselves. I think they are really focused on like certain accolades and external validators that don't really mean anything. And I just think they're really like, if you can be in your unique genius and in your purpose, life will unfold in the way that's meant to unfold. And I think that we can start to like enjoy process more. I don't even know what to say after that. That's so good. <laughs> that's so good. I've been like, that's what COVID has taught me. I'm like, all right, all right. Everything I thought was happening is not happening. So let me just like roll with it. And I can tell you, I am so much happier. I am so present. I'm having so much fun. And I'm excited to see what comes, what unfolds. I love it. I want to emulate it. I want to learn from you. I think it's brilliant. It's great to be able to like live that as your reality, right? That is so magical. I have so enjoyed our conversation. I have a feeling that people listening would love to just connect with you, like learn more about scripted and you know, you're speaking, you're DJing. We barely scratched the surface on that. What is the best way for them to connect with you? Instagram or Twitter is great. You can always DM me. They're open. Scripted is a scripted.com. And then you'll share the podcast and the talk. And we love to hear, you know, on the podcast, like what listeners want and what they're, what they're seeing, what's valuable for them and what's not. Um, I'm really building it for all of you. So that's the goal is how can we be of service and helpful to help people become the best version of themselves? You're the best. I will list all of that in the show notes so everybody can get in touch. Denise, it was such a pleasure and I'm so appreciative of having you on today. Thank you for having us. Really was such a joy. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, we got to have you back. Check out our website for more ways to get involved, including all the information you need about joining our collective. You can check out all the information at IamWim.com. That's IamWim, double I, dot com. And if you enjoyed this episode, leave us a review, a rating. But the most important thing that we can ask you to do is to share this podcast. See you next week. Thanks for listening. Tune in next week. Tune in next week.